Welcome to episode 51 of Holy Cannoli. We've got our good friend Angie Ibarra on today. <laughs> That's how I said her name too. I made sure I emphasized the R. I picture her saying it that way, but <laughs> I could be wrong. No, yeah, for sure. She definitely was uh, affirming of the accent. Oh, nice. <laughs> but for those who don't know us, this is episode 51. We better give people an introduction to us because Angie is going to be promoting this podcast and people who have never heard us before oh. should know us okay. or know you. We're Tony and Wendy Gapastone and take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, people. Moving on to Angie. Uh, we are a married couple in the Bay Area. We have three girls and today is the, we are recording this intro on the last day of our summer. How are you feeling about that? Because kids go back to school tomorrow. First day of school. <laughs> I think I feel mixed, like yeah. probably a lot of parents. I think it's been a good summer. It's also been tiring in a different way than mm. the school year is, with just lots of togetherness, lots mm. of family time. Um, I mean, you've been working, but I'm home with them. Yeah. So it's just been, you know we get to a point where we need a little of our own space and lives. It's been hot, so there's been a lot of uncomfortableness just in our home. It felt like our energy was sucked a lot of times doing life, me working, kids, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, in some weird way, I hate having to say this, but I'm glad summer is coming to an end just because I long for the routine of... The expectation of, okay, I know I have a certain amount of work hours in the day when I don't feel like I also should be with kids. You know what I mean? Mm. Like this weird tension of going like, I don't really have a summer. You know, like you're off from school because you're a preschool teacher, but I still have to work. Kids are off. And so it's really weird navigating like, how do I exist in this? Because I feel like torn, you know? So I guess in some way I'm kind of relieved, like, ugh. And we can the structure's wear. back. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I love wearing t-shirts and so- shorts, I love the fall um, chill that California <laughs> brings. It's like 70s and 60s. I like that a lot. It's like you get just enough time to start getting tired of the season yeah. you're in. And you're like ready for layers. So before we launch into Angie, one little story that I think we should share is when we were rafting in Tahoe, we took our family down the Truckee River in Tahoe, which is our favorite place to go. And in one small little five-minute scene between a baby duck and its <laughs> mother, I felt encouraged about why we need to talk about injustice. And sometimes on this podcast, that's uh, a lot of what we talk about is how do we make sense of the world and all the challenging things that are happening. But we were going down the river and all of a sudden we heard this little baby peeping, right? Yeah, <laughs> like tiny, tiny little quack. And we see this baby duck all by itself. <laughs> what was it doing? Like beep, 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 beep. Yeah. It was almost like a peep. It was a peep. peep yeah, peep, it was peep, peep, clearly peep. calling out for its people. And we all just immediately were like, oh, oh, where's the... Where's it trying to get to? Like, where's the family? Where's everybody else? And we weren't really in a place where we could reach out and pick <laughs> it up it. or help it, rescue right. it. So we just watched as it kind of cruised along with us. And we're looking around. We're like, oh, we think we spot the mom duck. Is you know, 
down the way a little bit. Maybe like 60, 70 yards down the river. And it was quacking like quack, 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 quack. So we thought in some way they kind of could hear each other, but they weren't seeing each other or aware because the the mama duck seemed to be, (laughs) uh, what do you call swimming away, like Mm. like going the opposite direction. Mm And then the girls didn't want to didn't want us to pass up the the situation. They kind of wanted to stay and watch it. And thankfully, within a few minutes, like even at they one were point, reunited. Yeah, it went down like a little raft, like a little rapid. And all of a sudden, we watched them reunite, and it was just so awesome. Like all of us kind of yeah. went, we cheered. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the girls were like, so "Oh exciting. yeah, it was so awesome." And you know, I have to make everything a metaphor or analogy in some <laughs> way. And I've been reflecting on just the 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 wonderful beauty of a family reunited, you know, <laughs> and we're in this space and culture where we're talking about immigration and there's all this division around what it looks like to respect the authority of the country, yet at the same time care for people. Mm. And that could also breed injustices and disconnections and uh, Angie cares about people, especially those of the Latinx community, which, by the way, if you are wondering what Latin, looks like Latinx, what that means, I just have been learning more about this. Mm. It's actually the more um, honoring way to talk about the Latin community because Latino obviously is a masculine word. Mm-hmm. Latina is feminine. But when you talk about the community, usually people would say Latinos. But women have raised that that makes it more unequal. So this word Latinx has surfaced as a way to talk about the community of men and women or all genders that are in the Latin community. I mm. just have discovered this. Cool. Yeah, so uh, that's a shout out also to a TV show called Mr. Iglesias <laughs> that's uh, on Netflix that my daughter Is and I watch. you learned it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I've been using it. I saw it. I knew it was a new thing, but I didn't really know the backstory until oh. I watched one of these episodes. <laughs> oh. So that's an unpaid endorsement for Netflix's Mr. Iglesias. All right, so with no further ado, this is episode 51. Uh, oh, Angie Ibarra, she's going to talk about her organization in Redwood City. If you want to help out, she'll give you the ways you can do that. And if you are listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, August 19th, 20th, or 21st, you still have time to come to our open house, our Brave Maker open house, which is happening on Wednesday night, the uh, 21st at 7 p.m. at the Brave Maker headquarters, which is on the campus of Sequoia Church. So go to bravemaker.com uh, or where would they email me, it? Tony at Brave Maker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And we have about 30 people RSVP'd so far, and there's going to be Sweet. coffee and cannoli. So Yes. And a short film and some other fun stuff. Okay, that's it. Bye. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Okay, hey, welcome to Holy Cannoli Podcast. This is a special Redwood City uh, champion in the podcast today, Angie, and I'll say this with my best uh, accent, Ibarra. Good Angie job. Ibarra. I can, I can roll my R's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angie is a special person. I've known her probably 20 some years since yes. I came to Redwood City, yep. connected with your family, your daughters, and son in laws, and grandkiddos. So cool. Yeah. So let's get into this origin story of your passion yeah. and what you're all about with Generations United. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much yeah, for having me. For it's sure. such a blessing 
to watch from a distance and up close. Yeah. What's happening in your life? I'm so excited <laughs> about you. it. It makes me really happy. Thank you. You know, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. You and started I, something. Yeah. And I feel like we need to cheer each other on mm -hmm. in an environment, in a world where there's so much um, friction we need to be championing one another and cheering one another. So thank you. This is a, sure. a form of championing, yeah. you know, a, a sister yeah. and a fellow laborer in our beautiful harvest field of Redwood City. I'm with you. So um, congratulations on Brave Thank Maker. you. Thank, I wanted means, to be on this speaker. Uh, yes. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Fun. I started like one year and three months ago mm. is when everything launched. Nice. Launched the podcast, launched the nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, you were integral in helping us with our film festival mm -hmm. and we've been really intentional with trying to elevate brave stories and yes. talk about the sacred and the strange. That's yes. what this whole conversation is about. How do we experience God? How do we navigate through, like we said earlier, like the craziness of our culture and find some hope. And especially as we uh, in our country are dealing with so much divisiveness mm -hmm. around uh, immigration and asylum and people, the, the, the other, you yeah. are doing some significant work in that. Yep. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I am so incredibly grateful to be the daughter of immigrants. Mm -hmm. My father from South America, my mother from the Philippines. Most people never guess the Philippines when they look at me. But um, when I'm not wearing makeup, sometimes they do. <laughs> so you're 50%? My mom was half my mom is half Filipina and half, my grandma was white, okay. Austrian, uh -huh. um, and my grandmother had crystal blue eyes, and it's very interesting, but she married a Filipino. Okay, interesting. And so, I have everything. So, I used to tell people, I'm chop suey, uh -huh. and I love it. I love when people try to guess what I am, and they can never get it right. But the good news is, a lot of time, people guess I'm Hispanic. Sure. And but so, you have a very strong Latina Absolutely. The I way do. that you cook and the yeah. way that you talk. <laughs> I just kind of took that slant and that <laughs> yeah, bent. Sure. And I was really fortunate, actually, to get the best of both my mom and dad. And so as immigrants, they came to this country f wanting the very, very best for us and the best for their lives and for their children. And they were two incredibly beautiful people physically. If you look at picture of of them from the 50s, you would think they were movie stars. Mm. and uh, But they were incredibly broken and really had a difficult go at their marriage. Six children later, and here we sit, and I was the eldest girl in the family, which really meant I was the eldest. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of responsibility. Is that because the expectations were the oldest girl always. had to take care of the family? Everyone. I've yeah. always been mom. Yeah. Mama Ange came out of the yeah. fact that I've been a mom for most of my life. I mothered my seven-year-old brother wow. and changed his diaper and had him on yeah. my hip and, you know... It was just part of my life. It was who that I comes was. with some significant consequences too, Absolutely. though, right? It becomes this part of your identity, which is good. It also could be like damaging because then sure. you feel like you're the savior. You have to do everything, and how do you take care of yourself? Right. My entire life is yeah. that story, and yeah. it's taken a really long time for me to encounter God in this story that would allow me to find a place for me. And find a place for me to be all that he wanted me to be 
without having to care for everybody, without feeling like I had to be Jesus to everybody. And so that took a really long time. But the good news is there's so much good that came out of that uh, season in my life because it allowed me to have empathy and um, compassion and uh, regard for children. Mm. And so I was that child who really never was a child. Mm. I was the adult. And I was responsible for ensuring that the kids were fed and that the house was clean and that on top of going to school and doing everything like that. So it left me really feeling empty as a yeah. person, really empty as a, as a girl mm-hmm. and, and really feeling alone mm. on lots of levels. So with that... I was inquisitive, and I was talkative, and I was an extrovert, but I didn't have a voice, and I didn't have anywhere to kind of go with all that stuff. And I I remember thinking to myself, gosh, if I could just have somebody to talk to, someone who told me that I would be able to get past this phase of my life and be able to have significance, and that someone cared, and someone knew that I was struggling with whatever we struggle with as Mm -hmm. we grow up, right? So I think deep inside of my heart was planted this seed that children deserve to have mentors and people in their lives to speak life into them, especially in the case like is my story and many other people's stories. My parents just didn't have it to give me. They had their own set of circumstances. They had work, and they just didn't have to give me what perhaps I needed as a child. And so this seed was planted in my life that every child deserves to have places where they can go, people that will talk to them, people that will look them in the eye and say, man, you're valuable, you're beautiful, you have something great on the inside of you. And not everyone, not every child has that opportunity, especially in the case where you're dealing with, like even today, immigrants... Mm. And immigrant stories include the fact that they're working endless hours. Right. There are there's no time to necessarily nurture that type of uh, fuel that many children need. Mm-hmm. And so, hence was birthed Generations United mm-hmm. in my heart many years before it even became uh, came into fruition. Mm-hmm. I dreamt about it. 35 years ago. I dreamt about it 40 years ago. You dreamt about it because that was what you had wanted for yourself, right? Absolutely. You wanted a place to go and feel valued and looked in the eye and say, you are, you have permission to dream and take care of yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think those times when I go back and I look at who were those people in my life who, if they said something or they looked at me, it was like, oh, gravitated. Oh, there's my auntie who believed in me. There's my you know, mentor-like uh, person who said, oh, you got this, you're super smart, whether it was a teacher, just those little things, I think some children just gravitate towards the need mm. for having that fuel something on the inside of them. Yeah. So Generations United was birthed as a result of just not, lack in my life, I guess is yeah. the only way of saying it. Yeah. And so uh, in 2007, I put feet to it, and became incorporated. Got some help from some. Has it been that long since 2007? 2007. Wow. Yes. Uh, interesting story about the 2007. That was the very same year that I had the biggest devastation happen in my life. And I, for 
a season kind of went under, even mm. though I had filed my incorporation, even though I had done all the paperwork, even though I already started doing some movement. I had uh, one of my first projects was with Ron Luce and Acquire the Fire, and uh, we I had the opportunity of leading the efforts for Battle Cry for a Generation, which was this huge endeavor at um, Candlestick Park at the time, mm-hmm. or AT&T Park mm-hmm. Stadium where 21,000 kids ended up in that stadium. And we, you know, heard the likes of Delirious and Toby Mac and Jeremy Camp and all these amazing people. That was my first project under Generations United, which is really interesting because, again, it was an organization that was looking to mentor a whole generation. But right about that time, I had um, just encountered, found myself alone. And I was in a place that I was not familiar with. After many, many years of uh, being married, my marriage ended. That and was the devastation. That was the devastation. Yeah. No one expects to be married for as long as I was. How long were you married? 31 years. 31. Yeah, a whole lifetime. Wow. And so when that happened, I really did take a step back. Mm-hmm. And I'm so eternally grateful for uh, my pastors at the time who mm-hmm. said, Angie, sit, mm-hmm. just sit. And did a lot of really good work. I did a lot of uh, intense psychotherapy mm-hmm. and um, recovery work. And boy, I'm so grateful for that season. But that season, given the type of individual that I am, didn't last really long. Now, <laughs> do you think that was a connection, like a significant connection? Not only did you need to heal from the devastation of marriage ending, but also, did you feel like there was any kind of reciprocal healing work going on from little Angie, who was the t- caretaker of siblings and that type of thing happening at that time? Such a magnificent question. Yeah. And it, you're right on. Okay. I had not dealt with my childhood. Mm-hmm. I had not dealt with my inner child. I had not been the little girl. I was never a little girl. And so, had the devastation of my marriage ending not happened... I would have never gone back 40 years to the childhood devastation Mm. that I pretended never existed. Right. I smiled and laughed and Mm. put my game face on, but deep inside I was lonely and heartbroken and um, needed to be restored in only the way that could have happened in the way that it did. Wow. So, yes. Something you would never have wanted or wished upon yourself ended up being one of the biggest breakthrough experiences of your life. Yes. As yeah. a matter of fact, it's really interesting. I felt like during you know, a two to three year period, I felt like I cried every day. Mm. It's really hard work mm-hmm. to do the hard work. Yeah. And I consistently remember this scripture that stuck out to me. And I, when I read it the first time, I literally threw my Bible mm. across the wall. like, I don't want to hear that. I don't no. want to see it. Yeah. And the scripture's found in Isaiah. And it says, I will grant you treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, that you might know I am the Lord God of Israel who summons you by name. And my whole life, I wanted to be summoned by name. Mm. I wanted 
so desperately for someone to know my name. Mm, yeah. He knew my name. He yeah. was summoning me. And it had to take place in the midst of darkness. Mm. And who wants to go through that? Mm. No one wow. wants that. Nobody wants it to come that way. Right. And so in that beautiful scripture that I threw my Bible across the floor with, yeah. it was, but the rich is here. Mm. And immediately after reading that scripture, I thought about um, Pirates of the Caribbean and Johnny mm. Depp and, and going down into the depths of the ocean and the mud and the dirt mm. and pulling out that treasure chest. And the treasure chest opens and there's emeralds and rubies and diamonds and it was, I saw it so vividly when that happened in my life that it was like, this is what I'm giving you. Mm. Treasures in darkness. It's riches for you. I think we just got the title of this podcast episode, <laughs> Treasures in Darkness. I yeah. love that. Isn't that precious? I love that. I think that goes back to how we always talk about on Holy Cannoli, life is sacred and life is strange. And there's all of these spaces and stories in our life that when we have the time, when we make the time, give ourselves permission is what I hear you saying too, mm -hmm. we can actually find surprises in the most painful places. Yeah. And I think that then it gives way for one to be able to be an effective minister, mm -hmm. an effective voice, mm -hmm. an effective uh, hand lifting up. Yeah. Because then you've gone through what you need to go through in order to then become the vessel that can know what it feels like. Right. Empathy. Absolutely. Yeah. I found myself never looking at a single mom the same way mm. that I did. Yeah, because you became a single mom. That's right. Uh, of two daughters. Yeah. Yep. And yep. divorce. Yep. Never... No wow. one thinks they're going to be divorced sure. after celebrating your 25th wedding anniversary. Sure. And you begin to look at the world in a totally different way. And it makes room for Jesus to be the savior of everyone, no matter what you've been through, no mm. matter what that, that story, how wretched that story is, how ugly that, mm -hmm. that mud and mire is. Mm. A couple, um, was it the last episode that we did, we called it uh, capital OK broken. Mm. And the idea that, you know, there might be these lowercase brokenness in our lives, but when we get in there and we search, there's, there's a word, the two letters OK in the <laughs> middle of broken. And I always love that because sometimes I have a love-hate relationship with that word broken, right? Because we know God is not broken and God doesn't create broken people, but there is elements of our life that get broken at times. There's plans and disappointments and dreams and relationships and finances and all these things that sometimes just erode and sometimes we have control over it and sometimes we don't, right? right? But there's something in the middle of that. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. I think it's so significant that you're, you were you are always doing quote unquote ministry your yeah. whole life. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. A, as a kid, as a girl, as a teacher, as all these, all these things that you do with literacy, but now it's kind of launched you into a whole new space yeah. of caring for people, especially a, a people who feel much like what you feel. They yeah. want to, they don't feel like they're even welcome no. in this country, no. let alone, you know, in this space, the city, because of uh, the things that are happening in the, I'm, I'm talking about the Latinx community. Of course. Can you it's, talk about that? It's extremely painful. Yeah. It's very painful uh, to have a dream and come to a country and believe with everything that you are and 
have huge sacrifices to get here mm. in many, many, many cases for that better life, in quotes, and to be encountering just the opposite, fear and rejection and displacement and dishonor and all the things that come with feeling um, rejected from a community that you thought you could come in mm. and be a valuable contributor to. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> Immigrants, <laughs> right. they get the job done. <laughs> right. It's 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 exactly the case. Yeah. I mean, that was I, a that was an excerpt from Hamilton. FYI, if Hamilton. you haven't seen Hamilton, on the, did I tell you I've seen it three times? You've now. seen it three times. <laughs> oh my god! And it speaks to me every yeah, single it's so time great. It's about so good. a historian how someone believed in him. Someone paid for his college, sent him to King's College. George Washington believed in him enough uh -huh. to put him in charge of his army. Now, sure. he was crazy. Sure, there's course. a lot of brokenness there too, right? <laughs> of Quote, unquote. But, but yeah. someone believed in him. Yeah. And so I always love to tell people as I'm talking to them about the children in our community who are bright and brilliant and fun and inquisitive and in many ways forgotten. Mm -hmm. What if there's a Hamilton in our midst? Yeah, list? that's great. So what? Generations United yes. is doing this work of yes. seeing people, like yes. you said, of what you always wanted, people yeah. to know you by name, yeah. to invite you into relationship, yeah. to mentor. Yes. How is that practically playing itself out day to day here? Yeah, so in 2012, we started our, um, it's actually 2011, I began doing some work with another organization working with Latina students at Sequoia High School. Mm -hmm. And I began mentoring these amazing, beautiful gals. And boy, we had fun. I went to quinceañeras and uh, met their parents and they were just, watched them do their makeup and we just had a blast. I realized during that time that high school was almost a little bit too late mm. to begin this mentor relationship. Mm. As much as I love high schoolers sure. and as much as I wanted to pour my life into them, it became painfully obvious that things were, were mm. possibly a little too late, too late. at that uh, point. That's hard to hear. Isn't but that hard? Yeah. And yeah. interestingly enough, right in this building, I was invited to a meeting. And at that meeting was my pastor, Gary Gadini, mm -hmm. and a number of other leaders talking about one of the greatest needs in our city. The literacy. The yeah. literacy level and yeah. how, you know, a third of our children were just absolutely lost when mm -hmm. it came to the test that mm -hmm. took place on at their third grade level. Yeah. And so I sat around a table and we talked and that's when... We made a shift. Light bulbs went off. Yeah, we made a shift. Um, still mentoring, still loving a community, still loving children. But the shift then became, oh my gosh, where can we have the most impact? Well, local public schools. Teaching kids to read. Teaching kids to yeah, read. One-on-one -on -one mentoring. That's great. So that's when that whole Redwood City Reads yeah. was birthed. So, Angie, I remember this statistic, and I might be off on this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but there were some allusions to, uh, in Redwood City especially, our school district has undergone just a lot of cuts, budget cuts. It's affecting programs. It's affecting spaces. And there was some talk around 
literacy levels when a child reaches third grade, if they aren't up to a certain standard, it can actually affect, is this right or wrong, I don't know, um, high school graduation dropout rates and um, incarceration right statistics. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there's been a lot said about that whole literacy level mm-hmm. and um, children who are unable to pass the particular test. Some kids just don't test well. Sure. I didn't I, test I well. I agree. Yeah. yeah I, not I, my I thing. flunked everything practically, yep. Yep. but I was really bright and right. really smart. And so, which is a that's a, a, another recognition <laughs> of like the system doesn't yeah. isn't great for every student, oh every person, gosh. right? There's so much I could talk. We could have yeah. ten podcasts about yeah. all of that, but um, yes, there were some statistics that went out regarding they build jails based on mm. you know how many kids don't. So that was real. They, Maybe. These statistics came out. Okay. And I don't know what's real or not okay. real. Half the time you hear a lot of information. I'm really careful to run it against, um, or how do I say this properly? I think stay in my lane. Sure. And just stay focused on what I did know and what I did see. Yeah. And so what I saw when I did end up inviting people to come on school campuses was that there were some first graders who couldn't, didn't know their alphabet. Mm. There were definitely some second graders who didn't know um, the difference between, yeah. um, you know, a consonant and a vowel. Mm-hmm. There were definitely so. How possibly you and I spent time with our children talking to our babies, mm-hmm. and they're in the belly, and mm-hmm. we're talking to them, and we're singing to them, and we're and they're recognizing our voice. All of that is done in English, right? And from the time they're look, Candace was singing full songs by the time she was two. I knew at that time that there was a gift uh-huh. in there, right? Candace's <laughs> Angie's daughter, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, by the time they hit school, they knew their alphabet. They knew their colors, they knew their phone number, they knew their address, they know their mommy's name, their mm-hmm. daddy's name, how to spell their name. And for children who are poor, possibly growing up in a home who don't have English language parents, sure. they walk in with that deficit. Yeah. And that deficit, unfortunately, will stay with them all through their school mm-hmm. unless we can catch it. Mm-hmm. And I believe the one-on-one reading mm-hmm. is critical mm-hmm. and important. It's a win-win across the board. It is pretty mind-blowing how simple that reading can affect a child. Like my kids, you know, and I'm married to a teacher, and I love to read too, but just <clears throat> just seeing, like you said, from an early age, how their lives are formed through books yep. and through that time and through that relationship. And now, you know, like now, like I'm so tired when I come home sometimes and you, know, you put your kids to bed and it's like, you got to read a whole chapter of Harry Potter <laughs> and your mouth, you know, but this is like, this is shaping them. It is. It's, and yeah. I tell people all the time that reading saved my life. Yeah. Growing up in an incredibly dysfunctional home, mm. I would be under the covers with little women and, and you're reading in English. I'm reading in English. Yeah. Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. And I'm reading these books and I'm envisioning myself in the books. Mm. And in many ways, it saved my life. So that had, in, in regards to your imagination, yes. it had an effect on you to become a dreamer and almost to escape in some way some of the yes. circumstances you were in. So that's a whole other cool positive consequence. You bet. Right? That's yeah. great. It makes me very grateful yeah. that I did have parents who sent yeah. me to school and did speak English. Sure. And I was able to use 
use that energy that I had stored up in my imagination and it caused me to have a love of books. Yeah. And that was the whole thing, you know, changing a child's life one book at a time. Mm -hmm. It's developing a passion and a, mm -hmm. and a love and a joy of reading that we have really been um, looking to instill, especially with our one-on-one -on -one reading programs, is we want the children's experience to be positive. So someone walks through the door and, hi, I remember you, Pablo. Mm -hmm. or, or Anna will go, I know her. She's my teacher. Mm -hmm. And so there's this immediate sense of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do something positive yeah. here. And reading has very much to do with this. And everything is better with a relationship, right? You reading betcha. is better in relationship <laughs> with other people. You everything. betcha. Yeah. yeah. And so it's been a very uh, lovely I tell people all the time, I have the best seat in the house. Mm. I watch relationships form. Anywhere from our eldest reader is 90 years old. She turned 90 in July. And she walks onto that campus, and she's kind of, you know, uh, a little slower, let's mm -hmm. say. But she shows up, and I'll look across the table, and there she is just giggling mm. with her student. And at the end of last year, when school closures were happening. Yeah. I happened to be on the Fair Oaks campus and where the parents rallied to really try to keep the school open. And so for listeners' sake, there was three schools in Redwood City that closed, is that correct? Or four? Four, four yeah. closed, yeah. closures. Yeah. So Fair Oaks was kind of the first mm -hmm. uh, brush. Mm -hmm. And so in that process, the parents rose up and had a voice and said, no, not our school. Not now. And they were able to keep the school open for, for a few more months, but then months later, it wasn't just Fair Oaks. It was four schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with attendance and charter schools and uh, parents really believing that their children might be better suited to go to a charter school, that they would get a better education. Mm -hmm. And given the fact that the results were so low that... Um, they didn't feel they were valued as individuals. Uh, they have made those decisions, and it's affected our Redwood City School District mm -hmm. in, in real hard ways. And so um, I'm not going to talk too much about that because, of course, um, it, it is what it is. All I can talk about and offer is we have entire communities of people who, if engaged in active relationships mm -hmm. with children, Has a they huge would impact. flourish, yeah. all of them. Huge I mean, this impact. woman I was telling you about, who I just adore, um, I want, maybe I'll do a video on her, but she, um, towards the end of the school year, this little boy was just so sad about his school closing. She would show up every week, and they were talking about the warriors. Now, she's 90, <laughs> and all of a sudden I turn around, and uh, I hear her talking about Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, Steph Curry. And I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? She's 90. She's relatable. And they would laugh. That's cool. And I thought to myself, she, now, this woman has been with us since 2012. Mm. And so it's really interesting to see that once you grasp that value that you can bring to a child, we're very fortunate. She started at 83. Yes, she did. And she stayed with <laughs> so us. So there's really no excuse, right? We could find out a number of reasons for why we're not good enough or we're too old or too young. But yeah. you've got young readers who are oh middle school students and high school students yeah. who are serving 
uh, I think to the people who I would really invite are the people who want to make a difference in the world or want to help or maybe are seeing all these headlines of the challenges that uh, the Latin community is experiencing and don't know where to start. I think here's a really simple way, especially if you're in Redwood City. Uh, now, I'm sure if you're anywhere else in the world, there are programs, literacy programs, right? Sure. People could Google and stuff. But if you're in Redwood City or the Peninsula area, Palo Alto, San Jose, yeah. even in, up to San Francisco, and you sure. want to come volunteer, what does that look like? Yeah, it's interesting. I met this morning with an organization who has 120 volunteers who want to do something. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, mm -hmm. we've got plenty for them to do. Um, I think part of our challenge is that everyone is extremely busy. Mm -hmm. And it's enough yeah. for me to just to get up and go exactly. to work and then come sure. home and get a workout in and da-da-da. Sure. But we make it really easy. We tell people one hour a week, just come in one hour a week. And anyone can do an hour a week. It's your lunch break. Mm -hmm. It's you get out work from work early. Most companies will let you take yeah, an hour Yeah, they have programs, right? Incentive programs. There are plenty of yep. people who care. And with all the technology companies moving into the most popular place in the Bay Area to live nowadays, mm -hmm. even though and it's most, most expensive, expensive yeah, um, why not invest an yeah. hour of your time? Think about... And um, Mr. Rogers used to do this, and I love this about him. He'd say, close your eyes and think about the person who invested in you. Mm. He did it at one of the Academy Awards or something, and the audience is crying. And it's true. We can remember. I remember my aunties, the ones who believed in me. I remember those people. And so you're changing mm -hmm. the life of a child with one hour a week. Yeah. And so... If you've been fortunate enough to get a great job and be in Redwood City, come out and hang out with That's a great. kid once a week. I have a beautiful gal from Stanford who was really having a hard time getting out of um, work in time to come out to the school when we were there. And we're there till 6 p.m. So we set up for her to go to the library. So she meets over at the Fair Oaks Library oh, cool. with her student on a Saturday. Sure. Very no cool. problem there. Student yeah. gets there, she gets there. They have all the time to talk about things. Another woman who takes her girls, she's been with her girls for five years. Mm. They go out and they have sushi over at Baby Sushi. Mm -hmm. And they talk. And now these girls are teenagers. And so um, anyone can be a part of this. I love whether it. you're middle school, whether you're a mom at home, whether you're a corporate um, uh, CEO, I have a wonderful gentleman. We have a wonderful gentleman from Stanford. Um, he hate if I mention his name, and I won't. But um, just a prolific educator and uh, sportsman. And uh, every week, mentors two children. And I just love it. Mm. And uh, brought along his wife. She came a year later. That's great. And she's a real estate agent. So it can be done. It's doable. It's easy. I'll make room. We have children. Uh, just recently, an interesting thing happened in our city, which was really, really hard, because outside of reading, we do lots of other stuff. Currently, we're in the throes of a backpack drive. Mm -hmm. Every year, a 1,000 backpacks get into the hands of children 
who would have a really hard time putting a backpack together that includes all the stuff that we put yeah. on the inside. Oh of man, it. we're doing back to school shopping right now, and it's a ton. It's a lot. so many things you need. Yeah, just the backpack, and then even what's happened in recent years is that schools giving you a list of stuff yeah. to give for the teacher. Yeah, like a yeah. Box Kleenex, Kleenex. box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Highlighters, wipes, right? yeah. and so. Uh, to put that stuff together, we estimate is you know a good hundred and hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. So for a family of three or four, you're asking yourself if you're going to be able to have food mm-hmm. on the table, mm-hmm. or if you're going to put backpacks together. So for seven years, we've been putting backpacks together to the tune of a thousand backpacks. We have wonderful sponsors who help us with that, and it's been glorious to see how those backpacks. One might think it's just a backpack. No, it's life. It's, it's great. what they get to show up at school with yeah. or pick up from yeah. school. Um, so there's so many other ways to be involved, whether we do a backpack drive, we have a Thanksgiving meal, we do Mother's Day festivities, we do beautification events, we do Christmas for those who might not have Christmas. That single mom who has six kids and whose husband is in jail. Mm. Those six kids deserve Christmas. They mm-hmm. deserve a Christmas tree. So there's so many ways that we have found through the course of our work to get anyone to be involved at any level. There are people who give, which is wonderful. But honestly, I think giving encompasses so much more than, than money. How can people find you, Angie, if they want to volunteer? Generations hyphen united.com and we'll put that link in the show notes as well as the facebook page and tag you so if people want to connect or ask any questions they can yeah i mean really easy to find it's so funny sometimes people just call the church and there's this lady named angie Uh and they'll find her and 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 you can google my name angie ivarra people find me everywhere but what i think is really important for us and the what i'd really like to for us to be our takeaway is it takes a community. Mm-hmm. It's collaboration. There is no way one person right. can, one person sure can make a difference. But when you pull all your resources and all your people and all the wealth of knowledge and brain power and uh, heart power, it's amazing the things that can happen. Mm-hmm. I see it year in and year out and year in and year out. I just see the hand of God moving across our city in really beautiful ways. And I find, honestly, that this whole conversation around unity and around um, embracing diversity is a real part of our story. Mm. It means that I don't care if you... um, are this color or this race or this size or have this much money. We just completed a summer camp where a a small church in the region brought forth tons of volunteers. And there in the kitchen were moms making pupusas, Salvadorian. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had pupusas, let me know. Pupusas. And Mm -hmm. um, volunteers from the church who have no idea what those things were said, oh, my gosh, I'm here for my cooking lesson. I didn't know that I could make beans and they not come out of a can. I always bought them out of a can. Mm. So when we did the summer camp, we intentionally said, here are all these beautiful moms who are going to cook Mexican meals 
breakfast, lunch, and beautiful volunteers from the community who had no idea what was going on came together, and it was the most beautiful thing. At one point, people were crying, going, this is what this kitchen was built for. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So there's a lot of bridge building and bridge dwelling mm. that we all need to be doing. Generations united. United. I love it. Thank well, thanks you. for living an awesome story. A sacred and strange story at times. <laughs> Definitely. But I thank you for sharing that the treasures do sometimes come in the darkness. Thank and you. I really appreciate that. We'll put all these links in the show notes. And I wanted to end too. If um, you want to talk more about immigration and asylum, yeah. Brave Maker is doing an event on the 21st at Sequoia Church Mosaic Cafe. We're showing a short film called Hot Dogs on a Tricycle. I know it sounds like a silly little film, mm. but it is about uh, a Latino family and their separation and reconnection and trying to find hope in the midst of a really challenging space yeah. in our time and culture. So if you want to learn more about that, that's August 21st, Wednesday night, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So thank you, Angie. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for championing yeah. These wonderful opportunities. Immigration's a big deal. Yeah, I'm trying I'm honestly just doing it because I need to learn. I we do. feel paralyzed at times. I don't know what to do, but if I can become more informed, if I can talk about it and yeah. I can elevate these stories and, you know, care about people who I might never even meet by sharing it, then that's all I can do. I love so it. thanks. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.